a magic number. With all that time on his hands after he retired as Microsoft CEO, not to mention all that money, Steve Ballmer began casting about for something new to do. He bought the LA Clippers a few years back, but he's a numbers guy, a tech guy, and a business guy. What to do with those three? He created usafacts.org, which puts economists, data experts, and designers to work assembling all the numbers they can find about government getting and spending. There are trillions of dollars worth of data out there, most of them published somewhere, but usafacts.org is working to put them all together on an easy-to-use website and to organize them so they make sense. A veritable Wikipedia of government money, useful for classroom curricula and for civic enlightenment. Because government isn't a business, profits aren't a yardstick of effectiveness, but outcomes could be. And that's one thing Balmer hopes usafacts.org can offer. Whether they're good or bad outcomes, that's up to citizens. In short, it's about values, not judgments. What was the genesis, apart from your 800s on your math SATs? <laughs> oh, I only had 790, just the fact. Um, I was talking to my wife uh, about three years ago when I first retired from Microsoft about our philanthropic work, and she focused in on issues of child welfare and the like, and she was saying, okay, dude, you've spent enough time doing this other job, now it's time to really help me in, in our philanthropic stuff. And I don't know, it was some combination of being tired and wanting time off. I said, oh, come on now, when it comes time to taking care of the less fortunate, you know, kids particularly in need, you know, the government does that. Uh, it, you know, helps the poor, the sick, the disabled, and all, all we should do is pay our taxes and, you know, support the government in this. And her, her response was not good enough. And, of course, she was right. On the other hand, it made me want to say, hmm, I wonder if the government does do a good job of this. And I went searching for information, had a hard time finding what I was looking for, thought it would be nice to find something like you can about a company that's a public company. Couldn't find one. And I said, how do we get that amount of data about how government takes in its money, where it sends it, and perhaps most importantly, what kind of outcomes, because there's no profit outcome that government is maximizing against. Certainly there's no way for anyone to say something has absolutely succeeded or absolutely failed, because it depends upon your value set and the way you make trade-offs. Even something like crime, uh, there are aspects of crime where reasonable people can disagree over whether uh, a drop in incarceration statistics is a good thing or a bad thing, if it's related to certain offenses that people see in different in different lights. So what we what we chose to do wasn't to say what's right or wrong because there's nothing like profit, but rather show the measures on which government reports and then let people come to their own points of view about good and bad. T take for example, uh, is so our social security and Medicare working? Well, you would evaluate that presumably on what the quality of life looks like for seniors over 65. And you have to put together a bunch of government data to be able to paint that picture, because without that picture, I'm not sure how anyone would assess the efficacy of Social Security and Medicare. There's, of course, a whole other thing that we haven't even touched, which is with whom specifically does government spend its money, not what does it spend it on, 
but who are the contractors and, and the like, which a number of websites have tried to do a good job of, and some seeds have made some progress. If you go to USA Facts, what is it you can find, and where do you hope that this will go? What do you want it to look like in a year, two years, five years' time? What you can find today uh, is a, and I'll emphasize this, a longitudinal view of how much the government raises in taxes and from whom by family type and by income quintile. What the government spends its money on, again, longitudinally. We go back uh, in most of these areas as far as 1980. In some areas, the data is less available. So what does government spend its money on by what I'll call constitutional charter? The preamble of the Constitution lays out some distinct missions for government, and we just took those to be the definition like establish justice and ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, etc. So we'll show you where the money got spent, and then where possible, uh, we'll show you follow-on data either on specifics of how the money's being used or outcomes, what is happening to CO2 emissions, what's happening in terms of number of people, uh, crimes um, that people report, number of arrests, number of people who wind up in prison, how long they stay there, or uh, you know what really is the quality of life for people pre- and post-income uh, transfers coming from the government, like Medicaid or food stamps or some of the other uh, social programs uh, that get run. In most cases, we will show you things pre- and post-inflation adjustment. We'll show you as a percentage of all spending. That's the kind of thing you can find in USA Facts. You'll find that written up in a linear narrative, it's something we call the annual report. You can read literally a document that is like a corporate 10K. As this goes along, you expect to accumulate more data. Will this, to your way of thinking, be a kind of Wikipedia of government figures? Uh, yeah. I think that's a reasonable way to think about it, uh, as a Wikipedia of government figures. There's a lot more information that we'd like to get in there. We'd like to show outcome data down to the state, maybe even the county, city, or, or school district level. And what we hope to do is now package the information so that as things become topical in the news, uh, you can see sort of a, what should I say, amalgamated set of relevant data on important topics of the day, and we can, you know, tweet that out and otherwise make that available through social means. Were there any pieces of data that you thought were important, you wanted to find and include, and you couldn't find? In a number of areas. Take, like, the supplemental poverty measure. I think that one only goes back about 12 years. If you really want to measure uh, the outcome of the healthcare industry, to understand how many procedures of what form happen every year and then be able to detail the cost per for each procedure, if you will, or each disease type. We have to look harder or maybe that doesn't exist. Healthcare has emerged as the single largest uh, spend point in the U.S. economy, and the government so heavily regulates healthcare and pays for healthcare. In some senses, the whole structure of the industry is dependent on what government does, and having a complete then understanding of the industry is important to understanding government's role. The number of guns in the United States, that's not a statistic that's captured and yet we think would be of interest. Whatever side of the gun issue that you are on, 
I think it's an interesting issue for people to understand how many people own guns, how many total guns are there out there, how many guns get sold every year. Some of that data is available, some of it's not. Is there a difference between how government keeps its books and how business does, given that each of them has a different goal? Businesses use something called generally accepted accounting principles. Government does not. Actually, that's not true. Some parts of government do, and other parts of government do not. Uh, And in some very important ways, it's important. When you build a new bridge, you build a new bridge and you show all of the cost in one year, or do you show all the cash going out in one year, but then the cost is borne as the bridge gets used? This is a, a way it would be done in the, in the private sector. So there are ways in which I think it would just be useful, if nothing else, for comprehension, because more people understand business accounting than government accounting. Then on the other hand, most of the outcome measures of government Uh, There's just no equivalent that need to be properly represented in the business world. Something like an arrest rate or the number of people in jail. Should you show the number of people in jail on one day? Should you show the total number of people who go through the system? Because you're not measuring profit on these outcome measures, you have to decide what's really important. This is a nonpartisan site. It's all about information. But in putting that out there, it supposes that what underlies some of the national rancor is a lack of information. Do you think that's right? Well, I might not say it exactly that way. My experience just in my lifetime has been that people can get themselves very worked up about their differences, and yet if you make them confront them in kind of numbers as opposed to adjectives, people sometimes find they're closer together than they thought. And whether that'll solve the differences or not, I don't know, but it really can't hurt to have both sides work with the same data sets. You're a mathematician, you're an economist, you're a business guy, so you know the Disraeli line about lies, damn lies, and statistics. Well, we've really worked hard to try to provide context, historical context, context of other numbers that government is also doing. If somebody says you spend $10 billion on something, is that large or small? Well, it depends on your perspective. So we will show you what that looks like as a percentage of government spend. People know what $10 billion means to them. Now, can the numbers support differing points of view? Absolutely it can. You know, I'll give you one example. Uh, the number of household fires and the damage done is down quite dramatically over the last 37 years. Now, most people might say, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's great. Nobody could disagree with that. I'll bet you can find people who will say, hey, look, it's because we've put such onerous restrictions on people in terms of product safety that the price of these products has gone crazy and the value in terms of reduced fires is not, is not, you know, is not justified relative to the increased cost of product. It's not an argument I would make or not make. I'm silent as to the point, but even on something that seems so genuinely just good and everybody could agree on it, I'm sure you would see differences just because people make different trade-offs. As you've been looking at the data that your team has been collecting, what findings surprised you? Well, I'm not saying these things, any one of them are good or bad. I'm just going to say they, they surprised me. The mortgage interest deduction is to promote home ownership. And yet most of the value of the mortgage interest deduction goes to the top 20 or top 40% of people by income. 
the bottom 60% of people by income only take home 4% of the benefit of the mortgage interest deduction. I just found it surprising given kind of how I think about the rhetoric that is around the interest of the topic of uh, the mortgage interest deduction and home ownership. As much as I know health care costs are high, I was still stunned by how high health care costs are and how much they have risen. But I think the way this goes is over the last 15 years or 17 years, the average hospitalization stay has stayed about constant at around four days. And yet the cost of that has risen by a factor of, I don't remember, four or something much faster than the rate of inflation. That surprised me. Again, I draw no judgment. Uh, on any of this stuff. But the level of CO2 production in the country has been relatively flat, neither up nor down, over the last, call it, 10 or 20 years. Uh, I might have thought it was up more dramatically uh, or down more dramatically. I'm not sure exactly what I would have thought reading the newspaper. Oh, I'll give you one other that surprised me, which is the percentage of kids who can read at grade level in fourth grade Again, off the top of my head, I want to say that number is about 40%. I found that, I'll go a step further than surprising, I found that very, very sad. I'm thinking of a day in the future where you have a political debate, candidates debate, or something on the floor of Congress, and somebody, a candidate, a member will say, well, according to USA Facts. I'd love it, but you know what they're really saying. According to the numbers published by the government of the United States, There's not a number in there that wasn't published by government or as a mathematical computation from numbers published by government. I'd be pleased for them to quote USA Facts. I'd even be more pleased if they used USA Facts to find the number and then they quoted uh, the official government source that provides the information. The reason why numbers are so good is they just, they're not liberal and they're not conservative. They're not Democrat. They're not Republican. I know that government and business do different jobs, but if you were grading government, how it keeps track of its numbers, how efficient it is, insofar as you can tell about using its money, is there a grade you would assign it? Well, in terms of how good it is about its numbers, I'd give it a B plus, A minus for the amount of data that it collects, and I'd give it a C minus or less for its ability to put the numbers in a digestible, usable form that gives it real perspective and context. The second question you had is a little different, is does government use its money efficiently? I can't tell you whether the screwdriver that gets used to build the warship is too expensive or not too expensive. I will say, though, that when you look to the bulk of spending, I don't sit there and say, wow, most of this money is probably wasted. If you look at the uh, people who work for government, most of the jobs are teachers, policemen, uh, people who work in government hospitals. It's hard to think of those as, quote, bureaucrats. That's a big part of the cost base. Uh, Second big part of the cost base comes from uh, transfer payments. And again, there's one thing that is true about Social Security and Medicare. They're very efficient. If you're trying to transfer money to a human being, they do it very very effectively, very efficiently. Now, some people will say you shouldn't be transferring the money, but that's not an efficiency question. That's an effectiveness and value judgment. Do we have any Clipper fans here? I can't hear you! We're going to be hardcore. Hardcore! Hardcore! 
far as the Clippers, just this one question. You've heard people sit down at a slot machine. They play, they play, they play. They win nothing. They walk away. Next person comes along, sits down one spin, wins the jackpot. So here are our Clippers fans in Los Angeles who've heard the question about whether the Clippers are going to move. And they feel like that. They've invested and invested and invested. And just when things are looking good, are the Clippers leaving? Oh, no. That's... I won't say it's a silly question, but it's a silly question. <laughs> I did notice it was a little bit out in the Tweedosphere recently, and I don't really understand where it comes from. I've been black and white, crystal clear. The Clips aren't leaving L.A. If I wanted to take a team that I paid $2 billion for and cut the value by maybe as much as 50%, I'd move it out of L.A. because teams in L.A. are valued more. No, there's just no chance we'll leave Los Angeles. Well, Steve Ballmer, it's been fun talking to you. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited by Todd G. Levin and engineered by Levin and Tim French. The audio of Ballmer's debut as owner of the Clippers is from Bloomberg TV. The song is Three is a Magic Number from the ABC children's series Schoolhouse Rock. I am Pat Morrison. Pat Morrison.